Dear Bernadette Joy is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved. Hey guys, it's Bernadette Joy. I'm the founder at Crush Your Money Goals and I am super excited to present to you this next season where I'm going to be answering your questions. Since I started this company in 2016, I have fielded thousands of questions about personal finance and I am here to tell you what you want to know based on my personal experience and having worked with many of you. And all of these questions are not just related to money, but also how it affects our personal life, our family, our careers, and everything that we care about in our daily life. So welcome to season four, Dear Bernadette Joy. Hello, hello, hello. It's Bernadette Joy, and I'm back for another episode of Dear Bernadette Joy, where I answer all of your questions as it relates to money and life. And so today's episode is dedicated to those of you who are just too darn hard on yourself. And what I mean by that is a lot of people will tell me they have heard my story of paying off $300,000 of debt in three years. And their first question is usually some form of, how did you stay motivated and so disciplined during those three years? And the short answer is, I wasn't. And that is the honest truth, right? People will look back at that story and assume that it was a sheer, you know, story of determination and will, but honestly, it was a lot of trial and error. It was a lot of me fucking up. It was a lot of crying and tears and um, a lot of mistakes that were made, right? So that is my way of telling you that if you have been making any mistakes when it comes to your finances or you feel like you're not 100% disciplined in it, It's not because you're doing something wrong. It's because you're human, as am I. And that is what this episode is about, which is to answer your questions of how you can stay disciplined around your money and debunk the myth that I am, in fact, a disciplined person. (laughs) So we're going to get right to your questions. And the first one is something that I think is really relevant. And so I'll read it to you now. It says, Dear Bernadette, I had resolved to save more money this year, but it's hard to focus on saving and it's stressing me out. I'm anxious that I'm unprepared and I'm spending more than I want. Any advice? Well, thank you. And I'm going to call you Bob because I would rather talk to a person. So Bob, uh, thank you for being so honest about this question. And you are not alone in this. A lot of people have trouble saving, right? There is this statistic out there that says that, you know, less than half of Americans could overcome a $400 emergency if it were to happen, right? That's a scary statistic. So if you feel like you've somehow effed up, and you're the only person who is stupid about money, it's not true. You're not actually stupid about money, it's just money is a hard thing to overcome. So what I took away from this question is you said it's hard to focus on saving and it's stressing me out, which tells me that you have not really focused on the R part of crush. So if you have not listened to another episode before or if you're new to me, you might not know that my business is called Crush Your Money Goals and the crush are the steps that I walk people through to help them accomplish any financial goal or any life goal for that matter. And the R in crush stands for reverse engineer your life goals. 
And so my intuition tells me that you said it's hard to focus on saving and it's stressing you out because it doesn't sound like you have a specific thing that you are saving for and that you are excited about. <laughs> so a lot of people will say, well, I have trouble saving. And my question is always, well, what are you saving for? And people don't know how to answer that question because, and I understand it, I was told the same thing when I was growing up. My parents said, save, 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 save your money. But they never said, save your money for retirement. Save your money for buying a house. Save your money for that next trip you want to take. Save your money for, you know, those presents you want to give at Christmas, right? It was just save your money, which I don't know about you, but, you know, having an unspecific thing that, you know, seems very pie in the sky and doesn't have a beginning or end to it doesn't make me feel very motivated to stick to it, right? It's a, to me, it's very similar to losing weight, right? If you are someone who wants to lose weight and you say, well, I just want to lose weight, it's very unlikely you're going to stick to that journey versus if you said, I want to lose 20 pounds in a year, right? That is the same way that I want you to think about your saving, right? So any advice for you, it's pretty simple but also hard at the same time, which is to reverse engineer what that goal is that you are saving for. And right now, since you said that you're pretty overwhelmed and it's stressing you the F out, let's start off with one goal. You don't have to save for everything right now. Just pick one goal that you really want to work towards. So maybe it's something like saving for your next vacation someday, if we're ever allowed to travel again, right? Maybe it is saving to um, buy a house, right? Maybe it is to, you know, for a lot of my debt crushers right now, we're in the summertime. They are already starting to save for Christmas, right? So pick a goal that seems exciting to you that you actually care about, not what other people tell you you should care about, and decide how much that goal is going to cost you to achieve it, right? So for saving for Christmas, maybe it's a couple hundred bucks. Maybe for that vacation, maybe it's a couple thousand bucks. Maybe for buying a home, it's several thousands of dollars, right? But having a specific dollar amount attached to that goal and then figuring out how long you want to be saving that for is going to help you figure out, you know, small ways that you can start putting away money towards that goal. And you're more likely to put money away towards that goal if you know it's going towards something specific. So since uh, we are in the middle of the year right now, I'm going to put my plug in that if you're not already saving for Christmas, this is a great example. I can't tell you how many people tell me, oh man, Christmas really crept up on me this year and I went into a bunch of credit card debt because of Christmas. Well, guess what? Christmas is the same time every year, y'all. So you know now that it's coming December 25th. So what can you do between now and then? How many people are you going to be buying presents for? How much are you going to be spending on each of those people? So let's say you have 10 family members and they're each going to cost you 50 bucks or I don't know, let's say 100 bucks. And that's going to be $1,000 that you have to save between now and December. Then you work backwards and say, okay, if today is August, then I have August, September, October, November, and almost all of December. That's five months. It's $1,000 that I need to save up. That's $200 every month. That's $50 a week. Even if I take the weekends off, that's $10 a day that I need to save towards Christmas. And if I do that, by the time Christmas comes around, I will have $1,000 to spend on my family and friends that I'm super excited about. Take that same concept and put it towards any of your savings goals, and at least you'll have a starting point. So thank you, Bob. I appreciate the question. 
This next question is a really interesting one. I wasn't expecting this and I love it. So thank you for submitting your questions. And reminder, if you haven't submitted a question to me, you can always reach out to me on social media at Bernadette Joy or um, at hello at Crush Your Money Goals. So this question, we're going to say Samantha. <laughs> Samantha asks, dear Bernadette Joy, how do you balance between supporting companies you love right now and managing your expenses? I love this question so much because as a former retail business owner, I am feeling all the feelings for my friends right now who own small businesses and who are really having a hard time trying to make ends meet, right? So I totally, totally can relate to wanting to support your friends and your companies and the brands that you love during this difficult time. Everyone needs help right now, to be honest, right? But you know, your question is great, which is how do you manage your expenses and still support the things that you love? And I'm going to guess that some of this question comes from the idea, um, and this is, again, why I so have started to differentiate from the general advice that comes with the debt-free lifestyle, which is cut everything out and just focus on, you know, your bare needs and minimum wants, right? Which is figuring out the S part of crush, which is spending on what you love, right? So in terms of managing your expenses, the first thing I'll always say is to go back to your budget, right? And figure out, do you have enough money to cover your basic needs, right? So food, shelter, utilities, transportation, and healthcare costs, right? Then the next question becomes, how much do I want to spend on other things that I don't need, right? So for example, I, you know, don't always want to eat um, from the grocery store, I want to go eat at restaurants, or I want to buy presents for people, right? And figuring out what are the other things that might be coming up? And how can you incorporate supporting other businesses that um, you enjoy while also dually supporting the things that you have to do anyway? So let me give you an example from my life, right? Back in June, my husband and I decided that we felt very strongly about, you know, small business and also specifically helping minority-owned businesses, particularly women of color and women-owned businesses. Why? Because I happen to be a woman of color, right? So um, it was really important to me because I remember when I was struggling and when I was trying to figure out how to start my business, there were so many people that helped me along the way that I wanted to be able to pay it forward, right? So what did we do that month? So we decided back in June that we were going to look at our um, expenses for the month of June and figure out, you know, what else we had going on. So we had Father's Day. We had a friend who was getting married. We, you know, still wanted to eat out on occasion. And, you know, we still had bills to pay, right? And so after we figured out the regular bills that we had to pay, we said, okay, well, what can we do you know, to free up money for the month of June. And so we shifted some things around. And so things that we would normally pay for, right? Like, so um, our memberships to our fitness, like we decided to not pay for those that month because there was no need for it in June. We decided to shift some of our, you know, discretionary spending. So that month, for example, AJ decided that he was going to cut back on his board game expenses. One of, if you guys don't already know, my husband is absolutely obsessed with board games. You can follow him at Board in Charlotte on Instagram. But he actually has a line item in our budget that allows him to buy board games on a regular basis. But he said, you know what? In June, I don't need to buy board games this month. So we decided to pool together all of the money that we would normally spend on other things. And for the month of June, we were going to specifically dedicate it towards supporting black-owned businesses in Charlotte. 
And it ended up being $1,000 that we decided that we were going to spend over the course of June to support various businesses. And how did we end up doing that was we decided to also, you know, some of our regular behavior towards supporting those businesses, right? So for example, when we decided to eat out, we said, okay, let's go to that list that you know, all the great outlets in Charlotte provides and, and find a business that we haven't supported before and, and you know, buy from them. And that was amazing. I got to try out so many different uh, food restaurants that I probably normally wouldn't have. Um, we also decided that we were going to, you know, buy our presents for Father's Day and for that wedding that we went to from other businesses that we um, wanted to support that month. So it had the dual purpose of supporting them, but also we had to, we wanted to give to other people. And uh, one of my favorite things that we did in June was I decided for that month that instead of, you know, taking in the, the membership fees for the debt crushers, we decided to take those membership fees and donate it directly to the Young Black Leadership Alliance, which is an amazing nonprofit here in Charlotte. And for the month of June, anything that we got from those membership fees were going to be donated directly to that, right? And so what was really cool about that whole process is that when you start to think about how you do something on a long-term basis, it gets very unwieldy and gets very overwhelming. But it's a lot easier to predict things that you can do when it comes to your expenses on a month-by-month -month basis. And again, give yourself a little bit of credit, right? If you can only afford to do it in this particular month, then that's okay. You know, you don't have to do everything all the time. So what was great about that whole experience is that once we did that in June, we decided like, wow, this is really great. Like, why didn't we have this in our budget before? And so now that has become a recurring line item in our budget every month and something that we started to build our habits around. So for you, whatever that, that business is that you want to support, the companies, the brands, you know, local or not, finding ways to first make sure that your regular expenses are taken care of, but then how do you incorporate supporting those businesses in your already existing activities and also mindfully setting aside a specific dollar amount in that month can help you still support those businesses and stay within your budget without overspending. So thank you, Samantha, for that question and stay tuned for the next one. Hey guys, it's Bernadette. If you like what you're hearing but want to meet in real life, consider taking my next masterclass or joining my membership at crushyourmoneygoals.com. All right, so this next question is one I get pretty frequently, which is related to how do you actually organize your finances? So I'm going to call this person Joe. So Joe says, Dear Bernadette Joy, what investing apps, budgeting software, or other tools do you recommend to manage your finances and staying up to date with market trends to make smart decisions? This is a great question, Joe. And what I will caveat from the beginning is a lot of people will ask me, what are the tools that are most effective in managing your finances? And my first question back to you, and you're gonna notice this guys, is that usually I answer questions with another question, which is super annoying for you guys, but kind of fun for me, is what are you actually trying to manage here, right? So before you go into saying, you know, I wanna manage my money better, that is a very broad topic. Money is a very broad topic, right? So 
budgeting is different from investing, it's different from paying off debt, which is different from, you know, getting a mortgage, right? So what specific goals are you trying to tackle when it comes to your money goals? And that will help dictate some of the apps, right? That being said, I will share with you some of my favorite tools. So when it comes to just overall money management and budgeting, my favorite budgeting tool is actually a Dave Ramsey product. I am not at all affiliated with them. I just happen to really like this tool. And it's um, every dollar. And it's an app. You can also use it on your desktop. I actually prefer the desktop version. And I like it, even though I don't necessarily agree with everything that Dave Ramsey talks about. But the tool itself is quite easy to use. It's free. There is a paid option where you can actually put in all of your account information and it will track all your transactions. But I have gotten away with using the free version for three years now. And you know me, I will avoid anything to pay <laughs> of unnecessary fees. And so it's totally feasible to use a free option and it's still be quite effective. That being said, if you are interested in being more effective with your budgeting, you can head to my website at crushyourmoneygoals.com and I teach a budgeting class every month. It is by far my most popular class. People really enjoy it. And I walk you through the step-by-step -step of how to actually manage your budget aside from the tool, but also how to organize all of your information and how to think about your spending habits and you know track your expenses in a way that's not gonna freak you out or overwhelm you. So. That is the budgeting tool that I like. When it comes to investing apps, I actually use Acorns, which is pretty popular. And what I like about Acorns is that it's good for the beginner investor, right? So if you're super savvy with investing and you're like looking at, you know, all sorts of different asset classes and stuff like that, like obviously that Acorns app is probably not for you. And Probably you're not going to be listening to my podcast anyway, if you're that type of person. But what I like about Acorns is that it's really easy to use. You can look at it on your phone. They also have ways for you to, you know, get kind of cashback deals with other um, retailers. So for example, like I am a huge shopper at World Market and like they have an option where you can kind of tie it to your Acorns and you get like 4% back or something every time you go to World Market. So I enjoy that, but I like Acorns because I put in, you know, $10, $20 every week and I just let it sit there and every now and then I'll pop into the app and kind of see how it's doing and uh, it's not super overwhelming. So if you're a beginner in investing, that's a good one to try out. There is a regular fee to it. It's one, two or three dollars per month, depending on kind of what level you're at and you know, a lot of people will argue that Acorns is not great in terms of return on investment unless you're putting a lot more money in that. But even for me, putting like 10 or 20 bucks every week and having to pay one or three dollars every month to me is worth it because it's just my way of doing something a little bit extra on the side without a ton of effort. So that is on the investing side. And then other tools that I would recommend is, and this is not really a tool, but YouTube is my biggest source of all information. Anytime anyone asks me a question about anything, I'm gonna to go to YouTube. But specifically, as it relates to money questions, I would strongly suggest that you head to YouTube and you know search for specific questions that you have. So for example, you know, when I first was figuring out how to pay off debt, I started looking up different YouTube videos on how to pay off student loans specifically. And 
What the key is here, though, is not to just listen to one person. And I know that sounds counterintuitive with me being on this podcast and talking at you like I am right now, but I encourage you to not only listen to this podcast, but listen to two or three other experts that you can get a diversity of opinions and then decide which approach makes sense for you. And not everything I say is going to work for you, and I doubt that someone else, everything that they say is going to work for them, but you can take a combination of those or neither and pick a third option, right? So heading to YouTube, there's a lot of great content specifically as it relates to managing money, investing, and budgeting, and learning at least two or three diversity, diverse opinions uh, around these topics is a good way to hone your money skills. So that is that question and stay tuned for our next one. Hey guys, it's Bernadette. If you like what you're hearing but want to meet in real life, consider taking my next masterclass or joining my membership at crushyourmoneygoals.com. All right, this next question is an interesting one because I don't know that I'm actually a good person to ask about it, but we'll ask anyway. So this question says, Dear Bernadette Joy, how do you avoid or slow down lifestyle creep? And so for those of you who don't know what lifestyle creep is, it's essentially letting your expenses outrun your ability to pay for them. And what can you do to mitigate, you know, spending more than you can really afford, right? So I will say that I'm probably not a great example of that in my early 20s, I definitely let lifestyle creep get the best of me. And so I think my answer is going to come more from the lessons that I've learned having let that happen. So back when I was living in New York City, I was working at my first job and I think I was making about, well, I started out making about 45 and I think I got a raise up to like $50,000, right? And was very fortunate that I was recruited into another company, a big, shiny, you know, investment company. And they basically offered me almost double of what I made, right? And so I was like, woo, I am making twice as much money. I'm like 25 years old. I'm like, oh man, I'm going to make it rain. We're going to go out and like take shots all the time and I'm going to buy everybody dinner because like I couldn't afford to do any of that stuff now, but now I can afford to do everything, right? And, and so this idea that the more money that you have, that the better at managing money you'll be is 100% false. <laughs> so what I will tell you now, right, is that I probably make less money now than I did in my 20s when I was working at the big shiny banks, but my, my savings has been exponentially more, right? So the first thing I'm going to tell you in how to avoid lifestyle creep is to get rid of this idea of the more money I make, then the less money problems I'm going to have, right? It's actually quite the opposite. The more money that you make, the more likely you're going to spend on shit that you don't need, right? So what I would suggest that you do is to go back to that good old budget and figure out what would it cost you to live the comfortable life that you would like, right? That is reasonable and fun and still exciting. And so for me and my husband right now, right, aside from our normal expenses, other things that we spend money on is like he, like I said, he spends money on board games. I spend a lot of money on like 
podcasting equipment and like ring lights and things that I use for my business that I actually just thoroughly enjoy. Before the year that is 2020, we spent a lot of money on concerts and and going to like live music events and stuff like that. And even with those kinds of expenses, it still wasn't a ton of money to run that kind of lifestyle, right? What I tend to find lifestyle creep happens is in those expenses that you don't actually really like or enjoy that much or need or that are more temporary, right? So that's, you know, the examples of that is like, you know, when I was living in New York City, I had a hundred dresses in my closet. Did I need a hundred dresses? Absolutely not, right? But it was the lifestyles creep that got to me that said, oh, you know, it's okay for me to go shop, you know, at these stores because I make this extra money. But what ends up happening is you end up spending all that extra money and you're no better off than you were before. Did I actually save more money at the time? No, they just turned into clothes that's just hung up in my closet, right? So in terms of figuring out how to avoid the lifestyle creep, go back to the budget, figure out what are the things that you really enjoy that you would want to do on a regular basis and stick to those things, right? And you can always kind of upgrade those incrementally, but what you really want to avoid in the lifestyle creep are all those little things that in fact, creep up on you, right? Like the little eating out here and there that you don't really necessarily care about, right? Those, you know, those dinners with your friends that, you know, were really important, but like those takeout dinners that, you know, you just did because you were tired of cooking or whatever, like those are the ones that end up adding up a lot over time. So instead of focusing on those really big, big expenses, I would say focus on the small expenses that tend to creep up on you first and getting your arms around those and reserve your money for those bigger things. Like for me, going to concerts and make room for those as you continue to increase, you know, your income and, and grow older, but, you know, not letting those little things get in the way. So I hope that is helpful. One other tip that I would give you in terms of lifestyle creep is my dollar rule. And we're going to talk about that in our next question. Hey guys, it's Bernadette. If you like what you're hearing but want to meet in real life, consider taking my next masterclass or joining my membership at crushyourmoneygoals.com. All right, so this last question of the episode is about budgeting, which it feels like I already talked a lot about budgeting, but more specifically about the mechanics of it. So this question, we're going to call it uh, Sharon. (laughs) So it says, Dear Bernadette, how specific do you get with your budget? A monthly budget? A weekly budget? Do you track everything you spend or in groups or in categories? Do you have monthly bills that you list every month? Like uh, this question actually goes on and on and on. So the short, I guess the shortened version of that question is how detailed do you get into your finances? And, and so I will say this, if you are new to your financial journey and you're just new to budgeting, then you got to start out with the basics and you got to start with, you know, crawling before you walk. So what I would recommend, like I said earlier, is to go back to that tool, everydollar.com. If you don't like using apps, that's okay. This equally works well in a spreadsheet or even a piece of paper, right? And just working on what your expenses look like for a month at a time. And I go by calendar month. So I go on a monthly basis. I do not look at or track my spending 
every day. That to me feels insane. And that's what a lot of people will tell you to do, that you have to track all of your spending every day. And that just gets tedious really fast. So I found that working on a monthly basis is really manageable for me and my husband. We spend the same time every Sunday for the last three years at 5 p.m. working on our budget for the month. And what that does is just give us an opportunity to plan ahead and not let things surprise us throughout the course of the month and to have conversations about things that we might want to spend on during the course of the next 30 days. Then we go throughout the month and we have kind of regular check-in points. Like every couple of days I'll check our you know bank account to see you know if we're overspending or underspending. But we don't go to the, to the lengths of tracking every single expense. And the reason that we're able to do that now is because we've gotten really disciplined in terms of the areas that used to give us trouble. So that is where my dollar rule comes in. So what I would recommend to you guys is that normally, when people are overspending, people don't tend to overspend in every category of their life. That's what I found, right? Usually you're not going to overpay your rent, right? Or overpay your utilities or overpay on like healthcare costs. But where you might overspend are things that you actually really enjoy and you might get a little crazy on, right? So for most people, that's like things like food or shoes or, you know, if you're like me, like an HETV, like addict, home goods or something like that, like household items. And so what I found is that if you get overwhelmed with tracking every part of your budget, just focus on the area that is your quote unquote danger zone. So for me, that is clothes and shoes, right? That is the area that, you know, you stick me in a mall and it's game over, right? So where the dollar rule comes in is in your danger zone, can you justify the cost of something that you're about to buy so that if you were to buy that thing, it would come out to a dollar per use? That's how I think about buying you know, those items. So let me give you an example. The dress that I am wearing while I'm recording this episode was $24. You know why I remember that? And actually I remember pretty much how much all of my clothing costs is because at the time that I purchased clothes, I look at that price and I say, all right, this dress is $24. Am I gonna wear this dress 24 times? And if the answer is yes, then guess what? I get to buy that item. But more times than not, the answer is no. <laughs> Right. And so what that does is that it has stopped me from buying things that are just impulse purchases that are just going to sit in my closet or not going to get much use. But it also has allowed me to buy things that I am going to use very wisely and also buy more quality items. Right. So one of the misnomers about debt-free life is that you can't have nice things, and that is just not true. I like designer purses just as much as, you know, the next girl. So, you know, I can still be debt-free and still buy a Kate Spade purse because the Kate Spade purse that I do have, you know, the one or two that I do have, it comes out to a dollar per use. The last Kate Spade purse I bought was actually $64 because I got it used and I got it on consignment and I was very excited about that. But it was a bag that I could use every day. And so when I was making that purchase, I said, will I use this 64 times? And the answer was yes. And I felt like I could buy that bag. But there was another bag that was like $200 and wasn't for everyday use. And that bag stayed at the store. So for you, if you have a particular area in your budget that is a danger zone, try using the dollar rule and see if that helps you curb your spending. Thank you so much for that question. I hope this episode was helpful. And the major takeaway from all of this, if you can't deduce it from what I've discussed, is that I am just like you guys. I a lot of times don't know what I'm doing. I can overspend as well. It doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. It just means that you're on the journey. And as long as you're trying to do better than the day before, then you are on the right track. So stay tuned for our next episodes and I'll see you next time. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dear Bernadette Joy. Now I'm going to ask you for three quick favors. One is to leave a review and let us know what you liked about this episode. Two is to follow on all social media at Bernadette Joy and submit your questions to be featured in a future episode. And three, if you want to actually meet in real life and learn how to crush your money goals, visit my website at crushyourmoneygoals.com.